So I want to preach to you. He, you didn't choose God, but he chose you. He chose you. Uh, John speaks clearly about this. Luke speaks clearly about this. Um, all through the word of God, it's spoken about this. Uh, you weren't wise enough or clever enough like I used to think I was to come to him. Uh, I know some of you think you came to Christ, but I got news for you. You weren't, you weren't faithful enough. You weren't clever enough. Uh, you, you, you weren't wandering around saying, I wish I could find where Jesus is. Um, no, but rather, uh, um, he, he was looking for you. He was, he was searching for you and for me. He was, uh, he was chasing after you, uh, the Bible tells us. And he was hunting for you, wanting to find you. And in Luke 15, there are, there are three different scenarios. And I've preached on this so much. One year, I think I preached it like so many ways. I didn't think you could continue to preach it. And still find times where I think, how in the world can you preach more messages? And I, I try to avoid it. But God, just this, this passage is like... Uh, uh, these, these stories have spoken to my life so many times, and, and, and I saw more things in here today that just, that just jumped out and leaped off the page. And it's in Luke 15. There's a story of three different scenarios of, uh, of which there's uh, the lost became found. Three places here, three different examples of where something that was lost was found, the Bible says, and one of them is one of the most, most uh, the one that I preach the most, and one of them, the most famous one, is the prodigal son. But there's also two other stories in this chapter called the uh, lost coin and the lost uh, sheep. And the prodigal, uh, starting with it, is the, the one that it finishes with, is a story of a lost son. And he t- it, 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 Jesus tells the story of a son who goes off and he squanders all of his inheritance, everything that he has. The son uh, goes off and squanders it. And the father had given him a lump of money, given him a sum of money that was incredible, his inheritance. But he went out, the Bible says, and he lived a wild life. Uh, he, it, it started good. It started with money. And when you got money, guess what? Friends come along with you, right? But when the money leaves, what happens? The friends leave as well. And, that, and so all of a sudden, this guy started out good. It started out with friends. He had wine, women's song. He had everything that he could want. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, one day, he took out the wallet, and he began to look at the remaining cash that was inside the wallet, and he began to get a little frightened. He began to get a little nervous because it was looking scary. All of a sudden, everything that the father had given was beginning to dry up the Bible said, and all of a sudden he wasn't invited to the great parties. He wasn't invited to the good club. When he got in the line to get into the new club, they said, get out of the line, sir. You're not welcome here anymore. And all of a sudden now, things began to break uh, break up. He didn't belong in these places. He was an outcast. He wasn't invited to the crazy parties. He had squandered everything, the Bible says. And look at what it says in verse 17. But when he came to himself... When he came to himself, aren't you glad there was a day you came to yourself? Some of you haven't come and come to yourself yet. There was a day when he came to himself and he said, how many of my father, he woke up, something happened. This is what we need to happen in this nation again. We need, we need people in our schools 
that, that are there living promiscuous, crazy lives just on drugs. And we need them to. We need these young kids to come to themselves. We need them somehow to just come to themselves. We need we need adults who are fooling around with part with somebody at work that they don't need to be fooling around with. They got a wife at home. They got a husband at home. They need to come to themselves before they ruin their life and before it's too late. But 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 he said to himself, "How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I'm in this place perishing with hunger." Look at the next verse. It says, "I will arise and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you." But look at the next one, and he says, "I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Treat me as a hired servant, uh, and 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 that'll be enough." God, see, God chose you, and you say, "No, that that doesn't settle with me in that story." Because look, look at the lost son. He chose to come back to God. But I would tell you, no, he did not. Because the Bible says when he came to himself. There was somebody there that helped him come to himself. It it says, in other words, God was doing something in this man's life when he was in this pig's pen. God was doing something in this man's life when he had lost everything and began to squander everything. And he found himself now with no money, no friends, no parties to go to. And he's in that place eating the very husk of pigs, which was horrible for a Jewish boy to do. And now he's in that place and somehow... In other words, God was doing something in his life. God was speaking a message to him. God was speaking in his conscience. God was giving him grace. God was giving him power. God was giving him insight. God was giving him mercy. Uh, He was showing that there's no hope in the life that you've chosen. You need to look elsewhere. There's something better than what you've got here. And all this son, when he began to come to himself, now all the son wanted was to be a servant. Maybe you were like that. Maybe you just hated your sin so much. Jeremy, I'm sure this was you because I can, me and you will have a conversation because I know I was this way too. Okay? Because I had an addiction too. Okay? Sometimes I just wanted to get rid of my addiction, but I didn't really want God. I just hated the addiction. So, God, just, if you can just kind of come. And help me out a little bit so I can no longer be a slave to this thing. And that's kind of what, what this is saying, you know, in a way. because he, and, and I know there's some thoughts there and some things going on. Probably he didn't feel worthy as well to be a son. And I felt that way too uh, uh, once you come to this place. But all this son is saying right now is I want to be a, a, a servant. But the, but the beautiful part is he, he's not coming after Jesus and chasing Jesus. Jesus is coming and chasing him. And he says, I'm not looking for a servant. I'm looking for a son. I'm looking for a daughter. I'm looking for more than that. There's something better than what you think you're coming after. You can be a son of the living God. I'm choosing you and I'm calling you son. I'm calling you daughter. You can call me Abba because you are becoming part of my family. And look at what it says in verse 15. And it says, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for he, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. I found him. 
that he found you. That, that's our story. This is my story. This is my song. That's your story. That, that prodigal is our story. That's all of humanity's story is that you were lost and Christ came and found you. Amen. I heard it preached one time. Uh, you know, he left the 90 and 9 other, other created beings in heaven and he came and he found the one that was lost of Adam's race and he came to us and he found us and he put us on his shoulders and he brought us to the Father. Amen. Through the Son and where we could have salvation and where we could be born. Born again, folks. All the glory, all the honor belongs to Jesus Christ. It doesn't belong to the Son. The Son didn't get up and bring Himself and work hard to get back to God. Somehow He came to an awareness that He was lost. Somehow, how He came to an awakening that He needed salvation. He needed to come home to the Father. And all glory and honor and praise belongs to Jesus Christ for the work that He has done in our salvation, in rescuing us, in finding us. It's all. Work that was done through the cross. You weren't smart enough to come to Jesus. Let me bust your little pride bubble. You were not smart enough to come to Jesus. You were not spiritual enough to come to Jesus. You were not holy enough to come to Jesus. And you were not clever enough to come to Jesus. You didn't wake up one day and say, Ah, I didn't wake up 94 in an apartment room and say, I think I'll come back to Jesus. No, I spent everything I had, wound up in a place one night that I shouldn't have been, came home and almost lost everything in the world that was valuable to me, and he came to me in that big place. And he grabbed some of us by the scruff of the neck, and he said, you're coming, and he's drawing us, he's drawing us. No man comes to Jesus unless the Father draws you. Some of you were running so hard from Jesus, but good news is you can't run hard enough to outrun the hound from heaven. He comes after you, and after you, and after you. And like David Wilkerson's daddy said, he'll give you the Holy Ghost miserables if he has to. The prodigal was facing, I'm miserable and I can't go on another day. I've lost everything. I've lost my family. I've lost my money. I've lost my health. I've lost my hope. He starts this journey to come back, but he's only hoping that he can get a little bit of food, a little bit of clothing, a little bit of cash. And that's what I said, like addicts do from time to time. I don't want to become a son. I don't want to serve this old lifestyle anymore is the problem. And the prodigal was miserable and that's where he was. I I don't really need Jesus. I just don't want to get high anymore, right? Some of us get to that place. Get enough of God to get me through the week. Get enough of God to get me over this hump. Get me enough to God so I don't get high anymore. But, 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 but Jesus was saying, no, that's not going to be enough. I'm going to make you a son. I'm going to make you a daughter. I'm going to free you. And whom the son sets free is free indeed. Amen. So I told you the end of the story. But how about the beginning of Luke? Let's look at Luke 15, 1, and let's see how this whole thing began to break down and unfold. Look at what it says in Luke 15 and 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. It's interesting what they say about Jesus. This man receives. 
He receives sinners and he stops and eats with them. He has fellowship with them. He makes sons and daughters out of them. He gets into fellowship with them. He hears their brokenness and their stories. He listens to them at the table. Unlike church people who sometimes won't give a sinner a time of day. And snarl their nose down at them. He hears dreams and aspirations of their future. He sits and breaks bread with us, they would say. So it starts with these tax collectors and sinners uh, who are drawing near. And it says the Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling. They're complaining. Seems to be what we do a lot of, of in this day and hour. Right? Miserable people who just, just, just are miserable. Talk about Holy Ghost. We got the opposite of Holy Ghost miserables. I find myself just, just grumbling and complaining about everybody and everything. The spirit of the world that's out there today. The spirit that's on Fox and CNN and all, all the places, politics and this and that and everywhere today. And now in the church and has invaded our lives where we gripe about everything. We complain about everything. We grumble about everything. It reminds me of Moses leading a bunch of people in the wilderness. Gripe about our leader. Gripe about the music. Gripe about the praise team. Gripe about the chairs. Gripe about the water. Gripe about the coffee. Gripe about this. Gripe about that. Grumbling. And that's the tax collectors and the sinners are drawing near. The Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling and saying, this man receives. That's what they're grumbling about. This man receives. Why would Jesus receive you? What is it about you? What is it about me? If you were in a lot of trouble, the police, let's say some of you were in trouble and you got arrested several times, you think the police department would be there for you? What about the judge? You think he's going to invite you over to the house that night and break bread with you? What about the psychiatrist who charges you 80 bucks an hour? You think she's going to invite you over? She's going to listen to you and collect the money. But it says, this man receives. Those three words are some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. This man, Jesus, receives. He receives the brokenhearted. He receives the down and out. He receives the pastor who didn't do such a great job reading his Bible and praying this week. He receives the down and out. He receives the addict. He receives the alcoholic. And he will come and transform your life. Those people didn't receive you, but Jesus receives. The father who left you when you were a little girl didn't receive you. The mother who cursed you didn't receive you, but Jesus receives you. The husband who left you didn't receive you. The wife who left you didn't receive you. The, 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 the verbal abuse, the mental abuse, all those things. But Jesus Christ receives. He receives the down and out. He receives the broken. He receives us. And, 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 and we, when we receive Him back, we, we see transformation. We come to Jesus and He receives sinners. He would say, come to me and I will transform your life. Come to me, all you that are here. Heavy laden, all you that are weary, come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and I will transform you. I receive sinners. 
I see, I see Christians all the time. I hear it all the time. I, they, they have this hard time saying they were a sinner. They're so proud that, that they've moved on and they can't even say the word hardly. Let me ease your mind. Jesus received sinners. It's okay to say it. He received sinners. I would be more worried if I, did, if I didn't know what I was. He receives sinners. You can say, I was a sinner. The good news is He receives sinners. Amen? But He doesn't leave you there. He transforms you. He changes you. He brings you out of that life of sin. And, and, but if we're not careful, we come out of that life of sin and we fall into the trap of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and we begin looking down on other people who sin. We start creating these categories and, well, at least I didn't do that. Well, at least I'm not like that. And, and, but isn't it good news that He receives you? He received you when you didn't receive Him and God receives you and wants to eat with you and to drink with you. The prodigal was coming halfway back, the Bible says, to Jesus. And Jesus is the one who put the robe on him. He put the ring on him. He got the fatted calf for him and then said, I want more than a slave. I want a son I want a daughter and the Bible says that that robe that he put on us it is imputed to us it is imputed it is called imputed righteousness and you need to get that $25 word because it, it's better there, there, the, the, there's other there's other uh, people who have who have gotten off course with that and they think it's infused there's a whole whole group of people that thinks it, it's infused righteousness like Jesus has some righteousness and now God God infuses bread with righteousness. That is wrong teaching. That is not right. He imputes His righteousness to us. It's not yours. It's not your own. It's not your work. It's not your skills. It is Jesus Christ and His righteousness and His righteousness alone. And the Father now looks at Brad Lindsay and He sees the righteousness of Jesus and He's satisfied. Hallelujah. Now I spent most of my Christian life trying to make my righteousness good. And I spent many days and weeks with frustration and down on myself and feeling like a failure and aggravated and bitter and, 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 and all those things until I learned to understand imputed righteousness. That it's not your own. It's, 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 it's not my works. It's not my skills. But it's Christ. The other two stories I want to talk to you about are the other two stories that we find that are a response. We went to the end. We came to the beginning and we found out. The Pharisees are griping. This man receives. And then because of their response to Jesus, now we have these other two stories here that we can look at as this is, the, this is the, 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 um, what happens because of them saying these things. So the other two stories is a response to the Pharisees and, and, and the scribes, or I guess all three of them are. But the, here's the first one, the first of the sheep, Luke 15, 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost. Hallelujah. You didn't find him, he found you. Hallelujah. He came looking for you. He looks and he searches. Picture yourself. Jesus is looking for you. 
I'm chasing you. I'm coming after you. I, I hope I find you. I'll give it a few days. I might give it two weeks. If it doesn't work, I'm headed out of here. No. Until He finds you. Until He finds. Until He finds. He's going. It's a relentless love. It's this, this love that is relentless. It pursues until He finds it. He said, until He kept looking until He found you. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I found him, I found him, I found him. We sung that backwards. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. And he found us, amen? Now after he woken me up, I might have been looking and running to him. But I'm telling you what, he found you. And he kept looking until he finds you. And the Bible says he left the open country. Now what's the open country? Oh, that's the beautiful pasture. John, that's the still waters. That's everything you you need in that place. It's absolutely amazing. He leaves 99 in the open pastures where there's everything they need. They they got drink. They got food. Everything. they're, they're, They're in the gate. Everything's good there. And he leads them. But where does he go? He goes to the closed country. What's the closed country? That's the dangerous country. That, 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 that's the horrible place. That's the difficult place. That's the painful place. He chases you down wherever you go, no matter how far you have gone. That's the, that's the, that's the place you shouldn't have been. He chases you there. He chases you to the pig pen. He chases you wherever he has to go to the bar. He chases you to the drug house, the crack house, to the harlot's den. He chases you wherever you have to, he has to go. Isn't it amazing? He leaves the open country where it's so gorgeous, so beautiful, so wonderful, so satisfying. He comes into the closed country where it's so dangerous, it's so terrible, where it's all there's needles, there's, there, there's stench, there's debauchery, there's filth, there's all kinds of junk. And all of a sudden he chases you down in those places. And the Bible says, he says, I'm coming after you. And he found you. Look at what it says in verse 5. And when he has found it. It's not mechanical like some kind of religion. Look, some of you can't understand why we get excited. And you've been raised in all your denominations. And you, you can't get it. But I tell you what. He found me. And when he found me, he put a dance in my step. He put a raise in my hand. He put a shout in my mouth. He put a loudness in my voice to tell you He's so good. And I had all those things in my head too. And you know what I said? I don't want to know what the Baptists say. I don't want to know what the Nazarenes say. I don't want to know what the Church of God say. I want you to tell me what you say. And when I begin to look at it and I see David dancing before the ark of the Lord and I see tambourines and I see shouts of praise shouting to the God with a voice of triumph. I said, dear God... Why shouldn't I do that as well? If I feel that excitement bursting out, why can't I let out a shout? He's wonderful. Why can't I cry a tear? Oh, Brother Brad, I would come to church, but I cry all the time. Cry. Cry a river. He bottles tears. My goodness. They're in heaven. Cry. Weep, mourn, laugh, dance, whatever. If you're a quiet person, you know what? Your personality wasn't that way. It might not be that way now. Whatever, that's fine. Sometimes you can be here and be kind of quiet and have a shout going on inside. 
Louder than mine. But it's not mechanical. It's not religious. When he finds it, he picks it up and lays it on his shoulders. It's relational. He has found the one he wanted. He's come. He delights in you. He's delighting in finding that which was lost. And that's why he says, even in heaven now, the angels are rejoicing over a sinner who comes home. And you know what? I've never seen this like I've seen it now. You know why they're rejoicing? Because they see Jesus rejoicing. It's the Father delighting in us. He sings over us, Zephaniah. He dances over us. They are watching the Father get excited. They are watching the Father get happy. And they say, man, we got to get happy too. Our Father is so happy that His children have come home. That which was dead was lost. But now it's alive and found its way home. Look at the Father dancing. Now, some of us are stuck in a rut of self-incrimination and self-hatred even when He comes to us. I did this for years. Even after He rescued me and came to me. That, that, that I'm not good enough. I don't try hard enough. I haven't read enough to fix the things in my life. Even after he chases you up and down and we're in the kingdom. I wish I were better. I'm not as good as so and so and so and so. And we compare ourselves to other believers and other people. And we don't need to go there because Jesus is rejoicing. He's rejoicing that that which is lost is now found. And folks, he sees you in the spotlight. My son or my daughter that was lost is now found. And it's not like there's many lights. It's like the spotlight is now on you. And this is why one precious son or daughter, and he takes them up and he puts them on their shoulders and he begins to bring you back where you need to be. I chased after you and I found you. I went to the difficult places. And look at verse 6. And when he came home, he calls together the friends and the neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me. This is how I know it's Jesus rejoicing and the Father rejoicing. Because he's telling the rest of them there, Hey, you rejoice with me. So the angels are rejoicing because of him. They wouldn't know. They'd be scratching their head like us. Duh, what's going on? This is his plan. He knows what's going on. He knows about redemption. He knows about this. And they rejoice with me. For I've found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven. Over one sinner than this this celebrating that's going on. Over this lost sheep and this lost coin. And this, this lost boy that comes home. So I tell you there will be more rejoicing in heaven. Over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance the 99 who think they don't need repentance are the ones who need the most repentance the 99 who think they don't need repentance are the ones who need the most repentance welcome to the altar
Jesus came for the unrighteous and not the righteous. And worse than an unrighteous person is a self-righteous person. Welcome to Alabama. The Bible Belt. Because Jesus can take an unrighteous person and say, you need me. And they may come to a point where they recognize, you're right, I do need you. But the problem with a self-righteous person is he says, you need me. And they say, no, I got it from here. No, I got it. It's salvation plus me. I'll take it from here on out. Thank you for saving my soul. But I'll work from here on. The other parable is the lost coin. And I like this one. Because what could the lost coin do? I mean, David, the son could possibly find his way back, right? Maybe. I mean, on a lucky day, maybe he could get up, wander around. The stupid sheep, Mike could wander out of the closed country. End up coming across a few pastors and stumble into the right one. I mean, it's not likely, but I mean, but the coin, what can the coin do? The coin can, it's lost. It is absolutely lost. It's the most lost out of all three of the stories it can't do. This, 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 these parables set my life free. These, these, uh, they just absolutely set me free. The lostness, and here's what it is. The coin can't do anything. It's the most lost of all. It says to me that lost, lostness isn't really the addiction. Listen to me. Lostness isn't really the addiction. The lostness isn't really the drugs or the sexual immorality. The lostness is the very nature of who we are. That's the story of the lost coin. It's lost by its very nature. And I got news for you. It's not the addiction. It's not the pornography. It's not the lying. It's not this. It's worse than that. It's not just the addiction. It's not just the sin. The problem is our very nature. You weren't lost because you started behaving badly. Uh, the, uh, the Bible tells us you were born into sin. You were born into sin. It's called the Adamic nature. When Adam sinned, the Bible tells us that we all became part of sin and because of that all were now sinners you're not a sinner because you sin but you sin because you are a sinner let me tell that for all my friends on the internet you are not a sinner because you sin you sin because you are a sinner you're far worse than that you're it's far more hopeless you're like the coin you're lost you're lost and you can do nothing about it. And the problem is not just our behavior, it's also our nature. So the real work of salvation is not necessarily changing our behavior like good, like good Bible belt, belt uh, teaching often can do. Change your behavior. Cut this off. Cut that off. But it's because that's a secondary result. But the real power of the gospel is that it changes our very nature. That's the promise of the gospel, Cole. 
It changes the very nature. Nicodemus, you shall be born again. Not just you're going to change a few of your habits. You will be born again by the Spirit and by the water. Hallelujah. You were once under Adam at the fall. And now you have been grafted into sonship. The son who was lost now returns. And he leaves the Adamic or Adam's fallen nature. Because he is pulled out by Jesus through the grace of God and mercy. And out of that old nature and into a new realm. Jesus pulls him into that new realm. He is pulled into the heavenly realm. And into the sanctified and holy realm. He is pulled into a realm where Jesus calls calls you by name. Brad, you're my son. He pulls you out of that old realm. He pulls you out of that old nature. When that boy got up, when he dealt with him, he left the Adamic nature behind and he became a son, a son of the living God. He walked out of that place. He walked out of darkness and into light. God went to get him and bring him out of there. God came to get me in an apartment in 1994 and he took Brad Lindsay and Brad left the old Adamic nature and I became a new creation in Jesus Christ. Old things passed away and behold, everything became new. What's up, John, my friend? And this is the deepest change that Jesus will ever make in your life. I mean, I mean, he is changing you like never before. And but look, he, 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 he has done this ever since then. This is what confused me. Because I thought I was just going to get hit with a bolt of lightning. And I was going to get sanctified. And that was going to be it. And I couldn't understand why all these things were I was being squeezed. And all these terrible things continue to come out of my life. And I thought, man, I got over that one. And I thought, if I can get over that one, God, I'll be good. I'll, be, I'll look great for you. I, I can present myself to you holy. And I thought, if he squeezed me a little bit more, oh my goodness, I didn't know. I, I was such a, a liar. Oh my goodness, I didn't know I was such a, a, a terrible gossip. I didn't know I, I had such anger in myself towards people. I didn't know I was so passive. All these things, and I get over one and I think, praise God, you're going to love me now, Jesus. And all of a sudden, just to be hit with another thing, and another thing, and another thing. And guess what? He did it through my 30s. He did it through my 40s. I'm now in my 50s. And should I tarry and live longer, he's going to keep doing it in my 60s, and in my 70s, and in my 80s. And until I go into the grave, he will deal with behavioral things and it's called sanctification he's going to sanctify us after he takes us out of the old nature after he calls us a son and a daughter after he leads us on into this new salvation and this new life and pulls us into a new realm and changes our name and makes us part of the family and does this deep work in our life now he's going to begin to sanctify us and change our behaviors and do things in our life because the old person is done away and there's a new person now that lives inside of you but it's not your own glory it's the glory of God it's the righteous robe that he puts on us, that is imputed to us. And uh, as I said earlier, he doesn't infuse it, but he imputes it to us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. The Bible says, none are righteous, no, not one. And that's why Jesus lived 33 years. He, he lived 33 years old. And he said, I'm perfect, so now I'm going to die on the cross for you. Why, why, didn't he just, why didn't he just come at 33? And why didn't he just die? Why, why, why didn't he just get created, uh, Tiffany, at 33 and never, never go through any baby, never go through any of the years and just die? Wouldn't that seem like a good plan? Just come and just be born, just come into the world, appear into the world and die for the sins of mankind? The problem is it won't work. Because there's two parts of this, this imputed righteousness that take place. And he has, to not only, he has to not only live perfectly and fulfill the law for us for 33 years, but then he has to give his life as a sacrifice on the cross. So Jesus came then where he's able to put himself into us. And now he lives inside of us. This perfect son of God, this perfect son of righteousness lives inside of us. And now the Father judges us according to what? he sees in the sun aren't you glad he is not looking at us but he is looking at what he sees in the sun hallelujah that's the robe of righteousness that's the ring that's the shoes the devil looks at you you we we look at ourselves and say not me i can't have i can't be perfectly righteous not me there's no way there's no way and the devil says definitely not you brad didn't you see your behavior last week but you you are looking for righteousness here when you need to be looking for righteousness there you need to be looking for righteousness in the son of god the bible says he is the author and the finisher of our faith i'm not the author and finisher of my faith i'm looking in the wrong place. I need to look to Jesus. Amen. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. And the Bible says in closing, he's at the right hand of the Father interceding. And we often look at that like he's just sitting there praying, 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 praying. But do, you know, do you know what that word interceding actually in the Greek means? A lawyer. One who is advocating on your behalf. He is telling the Father, that's mine. That one's mine. Do you see my righteousness in that one, Father? Do you see? Do you see the righteousness of Christ in Brad Lindsay? Don't you see it? He's mine. He's mine. That one's mine. I know my sheep. I know them by name. I call them. They come to me. They come in. They go in and out and they find Pastor Brad, Teresa, Nana. Uh, there, there's Marcy. There's 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 John. There's Tiffany. And he just starts naming them as they come in. Oh, that one's a black sheep. That ain't mine. And then he lets that and go the other way he knows them and he knows them by name and he's sitting there with the father and he said he's our advocate he is our lawyer and I can imagine when we stand at that judgment seat one day that he advocates for us when we say what are you going to say on that day I believe my mouth is going to be shut up and I hope my lawyer there speaks for me remember last week he settled out of court right He's, he's mine. He's mine. And I just, yeah, amen. Hallelujah. So, th- so as I said in closing, two, two things that this righteousness has done. It's taking care of my act of obedience, which is, which is obeying all the law. 
Act of obedience. That's what Jesus did when he, when he, when he, when he took care of this for us. And then our pass, the passive obedience was that he died for us. He died for us. There's an active part to it and there's a passive part. And so, so you can now be forgiven for all your sin. And now he can come and more than forgive our sin. You can have perfect righteousness. He can live inside. He didn't just die for the sins. He lived for us perfectly. And now we can have perfect righteousness. Does that make sense? That's what I'm trying to say. If you got one half of that, you're in trouble. He comes and lives 33 years, die, or doesn't live 33 years and dies. Our sins are forgiven, but we still go to hell. We still got a problem. We're still in trouble. But if he comes and lives perfectly righteous for 33 years, dies, all of it's covered for us, and we can now have the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. And Jesus can then say, you're my son. You're grafted into the family now. And the righteousness is not of ourselves. We are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.